0: Welcome. How's everybody doing? Good to see you guys. Thanks so much for being here. Now for all the millennials that are totally offended right now, I just want to go ahead and say a couple comments for your, on your behalf if I can. So millennials get a hard time, you know, people give them a hard time. So here are some tweets from actual millennials. Here's one. Kids these days have it too easy, in quotes, said the generation that could buy a house on a wage from an unskilled work at age 21. So that's true, isn't it? How about this one? Uh, A millennial wrote, if I had a dollar for every time a baby boomer complained about my generation, I'd have enough money to buy a house in the market they ruined. I like that one. (laughs) Here's a real stat, by the way. This will give the millennials a little bit of a break here. This is a fun statistic for adults. Uh, People, uh, older generations like to say, when I was a kid, I had no help with college tuition. I was just hardworking and paid it all myself. But keep in mind, in 1970, the annual tuition at Yale that year was $2,500. In 19, uh, I'm sorry, in 2014, it's $45,000. The minimum wage in 1970 was $1.45. The minimum wage in 2014 is $7.25. The daily hours at minimum wage needed to pay for your tuition in 1970 would be four and a half hours a day. Daily hours at minimum wage needed to pay your tuition today would be 17 and a half hours of work a day. So there is some reality to what Maloons are saying too that life has gotten a little bit harder on them as well. You know, I wanna to talk today about something that I was not planning on doing. I had a whole message pr- prepared and planned, and the Lord just totally turned me. And, uh, and yesterday, actually, I don't like writing it this late, but I just sensed God moving uh, Saturday afternoon, and so I immediately called my team and said, hey, I'm gonna be sending another message. They're frantic, like what? You know, like this is really last minute, but I just felt led to go in this totally different direction. So as I talk today, I want you to know that I really felt led by God. In fact, frankly, as I was preparing this message, I was a little nervous, because I thought, this is, this is a lot of truth, God. This is like a, a, like a truth overdose. Lord, in this message. But I believe that if we're gonna talk about how life is really not always rainbows and unicorns, it's time to turn the tables and talk about the reality of where many people are today. So pull out your notes today. Today's message is called, How to Destroy Your Life. How to destroy your life. And here's a simple way to destroy your life. Let me just answer that for you. Ignore your own entitlement. The best way to destroy your life is to ignore your own entitlement. Now, when you use the word entitlement, people are, are, are confused about what that word means. And so it, I don't want to just attribute it to one generation because it seems like always an older generation wants to you know, run down the younger generation. But I believe entitlement is in all generations at some level. And you may even find what I call some pocket entitlement in yourself. We all have some entitlement in some particular area. I found myself very convicted even as I was writing this message as God was giving it to me. The mission statement, let's say that first of all, what's our mission to do as a church? We're here to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. So we're all but here at Church Unlimited. Again, thanks for being a part of our services today. Let's also give it up real quick for our God Behind Bars. Guys, we love you guys. So grateful for you. The definition of entitlement is this, the belief that one is inherently deserving of privileges or special treatment. Or Dr. John Townsend writes in this book called The Entitlement Cure. He says, entitlement is the belief that I am exempt from responsibility. I am owed special treatment. This is a huge problem in our culture today. It's also a huge problem in the church. And it's not just a huge problem with young people. It's a huge problem with all ages of people today. So as you unpack this, as as I began to go through this, I began to think about Jonah. Jonah lived entitled when it came to God. Talking to him and commanding him what to do, Jonah thought that the commands of God was just really an option. And I wonder how many of us think that when God commands us to do something, that's an option we can take or we can choose not to rather than seeing it as a a command. That's how we live entitled, thinking somehow that God owes us this life that we want rather than following the life that he has for us. And so Jonah is a great example of someone who lived entitled and paid a dear price for it. And I don't want you to pay the same price Jonah paid in his life. And so let's just unpack this. So I'm going to come at you pretty strong today. I'm going to warn you right now. So just turn to the person next to you and say he's coming after you. Just let him know right now. Let's just, let's just let that be known. Check it out. I want to give you questions to root out entitlement in your own life. Maybe you think, I'm not entitled. I don't have any of that. But let's just let's give you some questions based upon Jonah's life to help root out any entitlement that you or I may have. Jonah chapter one, verse one through three says this. The Lord came to Jonah and said, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship. He went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Let me ask you this question first. Would you write this question down? Are you ignoring authority or responsibility in your life? Are you ignoring authority that has told you to do something and you're just ignoring it? Maybe uh, this could be a student ignoring their parents. This could be an employee rolling their eyes at at their boss. This could be when God speaks to you, you kind of blow it off, like, oh, I don't need to do that. When you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, you just say, "I'll oh, just wait till that passes rather than listening to it. And so are you ignoring authority and responsibility? Jonah verses 1, verse 4 says, Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. Let me ask you a second question. Are your actions sinking someone else? Could it be that the emotions you're drawing out in your spouse is, is just debilitating to them? Are you leaving your spouse crying in the bedroom? Are you leaving your parents frustrated and feel like they're sinking emotionally because you just don't get it? Are you frustrating your employees or is there a best friend who is at their wits end with you and you're sinking them emotionally because you're ignoring the reality of what you're doing to yourself? Could that be something you're doing? Are your actions sinking someone else? Verse five, all the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship, but Jonah had gone below deck and fell into a deep sleep. <laughs> so they're all freaking out over the fact that the boat's breaking apart, the storm has come, and it's come because Jonah's not obeying God, and yet notice Jonah's not panicked. It's everyone else that's running around, dealing with his problem while he is not dealing with his problem. Let me ask you another question. Are others stressed over consequences you are causing? Is the reason why you continue in your behavior because you know there's someone who loves you that'll clean it up for you, rather than you taking care of yourself? Are you continually going in debt, knowing someone in your family will help you pay that? Are you continually ignoring what God's leading you to do, knowing it's hurting your relationship with God, or your family, or, or others? Are others stressed over consequences you are causing? Has everyone ever said, what am I gonna do about and then use your name? Are they stressed because of you? Because one of the ways that we know we're entitled is when we're okay with that. When we're okay knowing we're causing harm to others by our own actions. And the response many people say is, hey, it's my own life. I can do what I want. You can do what you want, but it's actually not your own life. Your life affects others. Some of you understand what I'm saying because you had a father or a mother who said, it's my life. I'll do what I want. And you have grown up in years of pain because of it. Boy, it got quiet in here. It's almost like the Lord turned me because of the conviction of the Holy Spirit in this church. See, I believe God wants me to warn you today to take heed and to listen. Because before we talk about entitlement and point to anyone else, we should first look at ourselves. Say, God, where do I need to change? You know, as as we think about this, I think about students a lot, because a lot of times a lot of the questions I'm bringing makes you think of a teenager. But could it be you also? Let me just mention something too, by the way, since we're talking about teenagers in just a moment. Students, you should take this as a wake-up call because there's a generation of you that believe that you only live once. And it's true you only live once, but that doesn't mean since I only live once, let me throw my life away. Since I only live once, let me just do whatever without consequence when there are great consequences to the things that you choose to do, good or bad. And so it's a really big deal. Now speaking of students, I really am a big believer, by the way, and you go in the student camp. I'm a big believer in you going to the student church because I know that there's so many, many, many influences coming at you, and now you actually have a phone influencing you more than almost anything else in the world right now that you carry around with you 24 /7 looking about every 10 seconds at it. And so it's influencing us, and so we need some more influences in our lives. In fact, parents, let me just say right now, if your student goes to youth group once a week at our church for a year, that'd be amazing, wouldn't it? You think, oh gosh, that'd be so great, right? But do you know how much of a losing proposition that is to the one hour they give a week to God compared to the 20 hours a week or 40 hours a week they give to social media, to music, to, to rappers who are, who are creating a culture all their own for our students that are basically discipling our kids? It's a little daunting, isn't it? It really is. So so how do you counter that? Well, this is why I love camp. Let me tell you why I love camp. If you go to student group every Wednesday night or every Sunday night or whenever your youth group is at your campus here at Church Unlimited, if you go one year straight and your kid never misses because there's a few weeks they have off, that means they will basically get 48 to 50 hours of God in one year, which is great. But that's just the first two days of camp. They get 48 hours of God by Tuesday. Now you wonder why God changes lives at camp. So I highly recommend parents that you get your kid at camp. Whether it's children's camp or student camp. Especially student camp though. And the reason why is because by that time the influences are ramped up and they need something to counter that. Student camp changed my life, I got saved at camp. I rededicated my life to Christ at camp and I gave my life to God in the ministry all at camp. Camp totally transformed me and I think it can transform your student too. Check out this video. Changes lives at student camp. You don't want your kid to miss. I'm telling you. Now, I want to challenge you to do something right now. 50 to 60% of all the kids that go to camp every year at Church Unlimited have to get a scholarship. I don't know if you knew that. Roughly 50 to 60%. One year we decided we're just not going to do that. We took about a fourth of the kids to camp because of the fact, actually a little, a little under half. It was unbelievable how, how it devastated camp. And so we've made a decision that we're never going to let a kid not go to camp because of money. And so I wanna challenge you to help me out. Would you do that? Would you fill out your cell phone real quick and would you just help me out right now? Because I wanna give you an opportunity that you can text to give right now and pay for a kid to go to camp. In fact, just, just, last, just this morning actually, a friend of mine was, was at, at church last night. And he was so moved, he texted me this morning and said, I'm paying for kid for 10 kids. I said, man, thank you, that's a game changer. It's 300 bucks a kid, it's a lot. I said, man, thank you, that's unbelievable. You know why he's doing it? Because he wants kids to have the camp he didn't have. How many of you guys would say, man, I wish I would have had that when I was a kid. It would have saved me a lot of pain, right? Could have got me going the right direction. Why don't you help another kid have what you didn't have then? Or maybe you're like me and you think, I have fond memories of what God did in my life at camp and I'm still running on that to this day. So I want to help make that affordable for someone else. So we always pay for our own children and pay for our own kids and also pay for another student as well. So I want to challenge you to do the same thing right now. You can pay... You can give $100 if you want, or $50, that's fine, But or you can say, I'm gonna give a full scholarship to a kid, that's $300. So thank you, right now, you can text to give to 45777, any amount, in the word unlimited camp. Would you help us out with that? Okay, I don't see anybody responding, I need you guys to respond. <laughs> can you help me out with that? All right, thank you guys. I know you're a little shell-shocked from the message already too, so I'm gonna go back to that now. You're like, man, he's just in our face today, I, I know. But, but again, God letting you do this. Look at verse six, it says the captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God, maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish, we will not die. And so this is interesting, so the captain sees, all the, sees the storm going on, everyone's trying to save the ship, they're dumping cargo, trying to save their own lives, and they're like, hey, where's that passenger? Oh, Jonah? Yeah, he's down, he's down below sleeping, he's like, he's sleeping? So he went down there and said, get up, we're all about to die, don't you even care? Has it ever frustrated you that sometimes you care more about someone's future than they do? That's frustrating, isn't it? He's like, so we're all gonna die. You seem fine with that. You don't seem to care what you're doing to this entire ship, to this entire family, to this entire team, to this entire department. You don't seem to care, right? Here's another question for you. Is your behavior creating resentment in those around you? Is your behavior creating resentment Are you resented in your office because people have to work around you because I know they can't come to you and trust you to get something done? Are you resented by someone who loves you? You ever wondered why someone seems to snap at you? Could they be snapping at you because they've already tried to keep it above the table and approach you and confront you? You wouldn't hear it, so it just comes out because they're angry, because you're not listening. You're not seeing the damage you're doing to them, to others, and even... To yourself, Next scripture says in verse 11, excuse me, uh, verse seven, the sailors said, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. The lot fell on Jonah. They asked, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Now they start calling Jonah out. They said, what kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? He answered, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. He was like, yeah, the reason the sea is so rough. My God's mad at me. They're like, wow, you've got to be kidding. It says, this terrified them. What have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. Let me ask you something. You're running from the Lord today? Could your entitlement really just be a mask for running from God? Could you be running from reality or running from responsibility or accountability really be because you don't want to become accountable to God? Could that be the real issue here? The sea was getting rougher and rougher, it says. So they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? They're like, what do we do with you? Look at the damage you've done. Basically, this is Jonah's intervention. And they're saying, Jonah, what are you doing, man? You're you're killing us. We're all gonna die because of you. Thanks a lot. Because you wouldn't honor God, because you wouldn't get it together, all of us are gonna go, we're all gonna be thrown in the sea because of you, right? And so, let me ask you the last question here. Are you keeping up appearances while your situation is getting worse? Jonah liked to just pretend that he was just a passenger on a ship, but he wasn't. He was a man running from God. In the same way, a lot of times, one of the ways you know that you're living entitled is when someone comes to confront you, you push them away and you say, I don't wanna talk about it. I don't wanna talk about our marriage. I don't wanna talk about our family. I don't wanna talk about my grades. I don't wanna talk about my performance at work. I don't wanna talk about where I am with God. I don't wanna talk about what? And we block it. See, God stirred in me for a reason because I believe God is trying to confront his house today. I believe God is trying to challenge his people who say, God, please change the world. And God says, how can I change the world? Because if they all came in and saw you living like you're living, they'd all go back. Because it's unbelievable to an unbelieving world when they see believers not living it. Are we gonna be the people of God or not? Or are we gonna be like Jonah and think that God's commands are just options that we have? It's quiet in God's house today, and I believe it's not because God's not speaking. I believe it's because God is speaking. I believe God's word is very clear. We have an entitled people that are waiting for God to bless them while not obeying the Lord. And it doesn't work like that. You have to obey God, follow him. Don't keep up appearances. What I'm trying to tell you is quit trying to look good and actually be good. Quit trying to look the part and actually be the part. Parents, are we mad at our kids when they act up in public because we're embarrassed how they acted? but we let them get away with the same thing at home? That's about appearances then. Do we talk one way to our spouse privately when no one's around in a way that's very inappropriate, very disrespectful, and all of a sudden we seem loving when we're out in public? It's appearances. It's living entitled. The truth is somehow we think we're exempt from this, like I can treat people how I want and get what I want, and it doesn't work like that, especially with God. So what's the answer to this? Is there an answer? If you answered yes to any of the following questions, And here's my challenge for you today. Jonah 1, verse 12. Jonah said something very shocking. He came to his end. He came to his senses, and this is what he said. He said, pick me up and throw me into the sea, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault. Would you underline the word fault there? It is my fault. Another word for fault is my responsibility that this great storm has come upon me. Now, maybe you've been busy blaming others for your problems, Maybe you've been busy, you know, telling people I deserve this and I deserve that or I'm owed this and I'm owed that and that's all entitlement when the truth is we're owed nothing. We're given grace. But I wonder how many of us know that God forgives us and so when he convicts us of something to change, we say we're sorry after we do it but then we go back and we do it again and we pull out God's grace like a credit card and go, sorry, Lord, shh, one more time. And we keep pulling out that credit card, shh, is thinking, he forgives me. As if there's no long-term damage to you, to your family, to your future, to your reputation, to the habits and the character that develop you into who you will become long-term. The truth is, is I believe God has spoken to me because I believe this is a message that we all need to hear today. And so the answer is this, number one, take full responsibility for your actions. This is where you have to tell your spouse, I yelled at you and it was wrong. It was inappropriate, it was not right, and I have a temper problem. This is where you may need to go to someone and say, You know what? I don't dislike to party. I have an alcohol problem. This is where you may need to get real with a boss and say, Honestly, I've been disrespectful to you and I don't even deserve to have my job, but I want another chance. I want to turn it around. Because notice what happens here. They threw him overboard. And I want to challenge you with this because you may be putting someone who loves you in a tough position to have to consider throwing you overboard. This is how people ruin their lives. This is the guy who calls our office and I get one of these at least once a year, it seems like. And he says, I just went home and they were gone. The kids, my wife, everything gone. I'm like, yeah, it doesn't work like that, bro. That means you ignored confrontation after confrontation after confrontation. Eventually, like Jonah, she went overboard. She says, I'm not doing this anymore. This is the person who goes to the office and doesn't understand why they suddenly let go. Because they were warned and they were talked to. And they went over the numbers again and again with them, and the quotas, and how they were treating people, and how they were handling their authority, and eventually they just throw you overboard. This is how people's lives get ruined, is that they don't listen to the warning. And so I believe it is a loving God today who is warning you, who is saying if you live entitled, it will destroy your life. And this may not seem real popular, but God did not call me to be popular. He called me to follow the Holy Spirit's lead, and this is where the, lead, the Lord led me today. And so I wanna challenge you. I wanna challenge you to hear the word of God and be honest with yourself. It says, instead the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wider, wilder before than before. Then they cried out to God, please Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. They took Jonah and threw him overboard. And the raging sea grew calm. They did what they didn't want to do. Second thing I want to tell you is this. After taking responsibility, number two is recognize you're putting people in a tough position. They may have to throw you overboard. You may not be giving them a choice by the way you're acting. At some point, the pain you're causing is greater than the pain of losing you. And this is when people say, my life has been destroyed. But you were a part of it, bro. But you helped that happen, ma'am because you didn't listen to the warnings of God. So it's a loving God that warns. It's a loving, God. am I a loving parent or a bad parent when my little kid runs out to the street for the third time and I grab him and I send him to the room and say, you are not gonna do that again. Is that loving or mean? It's loving. God may be saying to you today, you've ran to the street one more time and I love you enough because what can damage you out there, you have no idea. And so he loves you enough to warn you. Please don't ruin your own life. Please wake up to what God is trying to say to you today. Last one is this, it says this, and this is the famous verse that we all know about Jonah because we call it Jonah and the what? And the whale, right? And so here's the Jonah and the whale scripture. Jonah 1 verse 17, now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Yes, that is, by the way, a, a picture of Christ who died and rose again three days later. But notice that he was swallowed up by the whale, and here's my last challenge for you, number three. You need to admit that someone is having to carry you. Think about whales, they're big. They can actually carry you. They're they're big enough that they can swallow you and you can live in that thing, right? Now obviously it was the grace of God that didn't allow the whale just to chew them up, because certainly that could have happened. But God let this big whale just carry them. Let me ask you something, is there somebody carrying you right now? Is someone carrying you financially? Because you won't admit that you just need to get the job you can get, not the job you want? Is someone carrying you emotionally, and the only reason you're still married is because they just put up with you? Is someone carrying you in the office and making your numbers look good because you're not getting your stuff done, but they love you enough just to help you out? Is someone carrying you, is, you have a best friend that they always have to call you, and every time y'all talk, you talk about your problems, you never hear theirs. They're carrying all your burden, you're carrying none of theirs. Gotta ask some hard questions. Are we being carried? Because the Bible says that we're not supposed to be carried by other people. In fact, to be honest with you, you the Bible actually says this, it even says from a financial standpoint, it says those who don't work shouldn't eat. Wow. Because when you live entitled, you believe that someone else should just carry you, someone else should just hold you up, and they should take care of your problems. So the answer to this today is, is really simple. You know, just like Jonah, He turned away from God and there was an entire city named Nineveh that was waiting to be turned back to God. But Jonah wouldn't get his heart right, so therefore there was a whole city that was in disarray. Could there be a whole family waiting on you to turn to God? Could there be a whole ministry that's never gonna happen because you won't turn back to God? Could there be a whole city around us that needs the Lord and we keep praying for their salvation and God keeps saying, why don't I change you first? Because when you change, your city changes. So I wanna challenge you today across all of our campuses to stand to your feet. It's a different message today, isn't it? Probably not what you thought you were coming in for today, but I just really felt led by God. I really felt like this is a word from the Lord today. And so as we stand to our feet, maybe you're burdened and thinking, Lord, I wish my, my friend, my daughter, my son, my wife, my husband was here to hear this. And maybe you need to come to the Lord today and pray for them. We're going to open up this altar. Or maybe today you say, Lord, I found myself on those questions. I'm being carried. I found myself realizing I've been causing damage to others and I need to get my own life right. See, I don't want to come forward and let people know that. You know what? It's not about what people think. It's about what God thinks of you. Why don't you get your eyes off of the people around you and say, God, deal with my heart. What needs to change in me? Because I believe the Holy Spirit is moving right now. And if he's turning in you, If he's speaking to you saying it's time to recognize the damage you're doing to yourself, the damage you're doing to someone you love, the damage you're doing to your relationship with God, the damage you're doing to your own future. Will you come to the altar today and just say, God, I'm sorry. I wanna get my life right with you. I have been living entitled. And the truth is, Lord, I'm messing up my own life. Like Jonah, I've been running from God. Don't run from God anymore. You come to the Lord today. God's clearly moving at all of our campuses right now. We're live at all the campuses and God is clearly stirring in people. I wanna challenge you right now just to obey the Lord. You guys sense the Lord today? Does anyone else sense God moving in a special way? I I do, I really do. God is calling his church to be a place of repentance. He's calling his house to be a place of prayer, a place of real life change where we don't just try to look good but we actually say, God, I wanna be good with you. God, change me from the inside out, Lord. I've been wrong. I have not honored you. I wanna put you in first place again, God. I wanna get my life right with you. Here's the great thing about God's word. Here's the great, most powerful thing about God's word. Even after he convicts us and speaks to us so powerfully and he just lays our sin in front of us, right after that he says, but guess what? I offer you Jesus, which means I offer you full forgiveness if you'll just acknowledge it. Say, God, I need you, I've blown it. Most powerful thing you can say to God is not God, I love you. The Most powerful thing you can say to God is God, I'm sorry. Just like some of you, the most powerful thing you need to go say in your marriage is not I love you, it needs to be I'm sorry, I've blown it. Or maybe a child needs to go to a, a parent, or dare I say a parent to a child. I don't know where you are today, but I believe that entitlement hurts everyone. Would you agree with me? So let's not live entitled. Let's live with gratitude. God, I'm blessed to have my family. I'm blessed to have this job. I'm blessed to have this church. I'm blessed to have you in my life, God. I'm blessed to be in a place where the Spirit's moving. Let's get our hearts right with the Lord today. God, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you, God, for chunking the message I wrote and bringing your word today. God, I thank you for your power and your truth. Lord, this has been a truth overdose, we know. But God, we know you're speaking to us today. If your head bowed and your eyes closed, if today was something you needed to hear, if you say, man, whoa, pastor, I had no idea this was coming. I didn't either, honestly. (laughs) I really didn't. I'm just not that good. God's just that good. And so when God delivers something like this, please don't kill the messenger. I'm just here to do what the Lord tells me to do. With your head bowed in your eyes, closed, if you say, Pastor, you have no idea I needed this today, would you just lift your hand high across all of our campuses today you think this was for me? Praise God, thank you. Isn't that good how God is like that, that God knows what we need to hear? He loves us enough to warn us. Thank you, God. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. He loves you enough to stop you in your tracks and say, please don't go here again. We know what this is gonna do to you. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you never trusted Christ to be your Lord and Savior, you can pray and receive Christ right now. You can pray this prayer with me. You can just say, Dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for me. You paid for my sin on the cross and you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart. I repent of my sins. I make you my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. With your head bowed and your eyes closed. I believe God is moving powerfully in this house. Can we just honor God for a moment and just say, Lord, we just want to worship you. We just love you. Can you just tell God openly that you love him and that you're so grateful for his word, for the power of his spirit? Lord, thank you, God, for what you're doing in your house. Thank you, God, Lord, that this is a house alive and on fire with your spirit moving in our hearts. God, thank you, Lord. That whether we like worship or not, whether we think this is good or not in church, Lord, the one thing we can't deny is that the Spirit of God is here and you're doing your work. We thank you for that, Lord. We humble ourselves before you. We don't want to live entitled, Lord. We want to live grateful. When you tell us to do something, God, we'll obey you.